I'm Jack. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Jack. Um, yesterday, there was a fellow in the meeting, and he was talking about the fact that um, he was so surprised that he was in Arizona. He had come from he had come from Nebraska, but he didn't think he'd end up in Arizona. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, gee, that's part of my story too. Um, when I came back from uh, Vietnam in 1970. Um, Believe it or not, the uh, Army gave me a choice as to where I got to go. Uh, on one hand, it was Fort Benning, Georgia. Ugh. And on the other hand, uh, it was uh, Yuma, Arizona, out at the uh, Proving Ground. Well, I lived in Orange County at the time, and you know, I was only four hours from Yuma, so I chose Yuma. And uh, fortunately, I um, was assigned there in February. But the point of, of this all is that it was at, it was at Yuma that my uh, drinking took a real leap, um, and I'm fortunate that uh, I think I'm fortunate that I was a uh, progressive drinker. I was not a drinker who, you know, had a bottle of wine and uh, you know from then on I was a blackout drinker. That's not that wasn't me. It was just like at every level uh, I had an increase, whether it be going to college or um, being in the service. And also I noticed another thing too. Whenever I was left by myself, I would go nuts. Because, um, you know, I still, had, I still had enough, I guess, control that I could, um, I could uh, drink okay in front of uh, the folks, but... Uh, you know, when I was off by myself, I, I would go completely bonkers and, um, and yet be able to rein it in. <clears throat> uh, unfortunately for this alcoholic, uh, the problem uh, when I was probably around 36 years old uh, became uh, one where I stepped over the line. Uh, Alcohol became a uh, totally uh, daily event. Uh, I planned my entire life, my little daily schedule, around how I could get it, how I could sneak it, you know, <clears throat> to the point where, um, you know, I had no uh, control whatsoever over it. Now, it wasn't all, you know, in going back to Yuma, uh, the one thing I can remember is I, I, I got an apartment, and uh, immediately the woman that I was married to at the time uh, decided she didn't like Yuma, so she ran back to Orange County. And, <laughs> uh, and that was where I met the other Jack, and that was uh, uh, a staff sergeant that was probably about 5'5", five, five, Weighed about 250. It was from Boston. And uh, he introduced me to morning drinking. Uh, see, Yuma, where we had our apartment, was 25 miles out to the proving ground. And, uh, you know, we would have uh, a plastic container of uh, Bloody Marys and, and a couple of 16 uh, ounce Budweiser's. And off we'd go running, and by the time we hit the gate, we're usually pretty, pretty feeling pretty good. And 
<clears throat> I didn't see anything wrong with uh, that. I, I, I thought, well, you know, I'm in, a, I, I'm in a situation I don't want to be in. I don't want to be in the service. I've already done my duty. I want to go home. And uh, yet they're making me stay another six months. But uh, that was uh, an increase in uh, my drinking and uh, in my thinking, too. Um, I got home and uh, raised three kids. and uh, I was, uh, I would have to say, very selfish, self-centered, uh, male, chauvinist my way or the highway uh, type of person and uh, didn't really care who I ran over. And uh, that's the way it was uh, uh, for, you know, many years. I uh, I did uh, manage, uh, and I think one of the things about the disease being progressive in my uh, state, I did manage to get my education um, uh, I was a lawyer for uh, 30 years um, and had a very successful uh, career doing that. Um, But, you know, it didn't protect me against alcohol. I I thought that was weird. I thought if you went to college and you you had enough smarts that you could just about handle anything. And, uh, you know, I couldn't. so when I got to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, I was in pretty bad shape, uh, and, I, and I'm grateful for that too. I, I was um, at a point where I couldn't quit. I shook like a leaf. Uh, I wasn't pleasant to be around. Uh, all the attributes of somebody that you know you. You step in the room and you all of a sudden feel, oh my God, he's here again, you know. It even translated into my family. I went to my brother's, uh, Tom's wedding, and uh, I overheard my mother tell my brother Tom that, uh, you know, I can't believe you invited Jack to the wedding. Do you know what he does to weddings? You know, so I made sure that I did it to that wedding. Or the reception more than, more than anything else. So, uh, you know, I was full of self. And um, I think I was uh, for a couple of years uh, into Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, I didn't work the steps. Uh, I knew everything. Uh, uh, I had all, all kinds of suggestions. Uh, you know, I thought of writing New York and making a few grammatical uh, changes in the big book and uh, suggest that they uh, do it my way instead of the way it was. But, you know, I didn't do it. Um, I was born into a a military family. Uh, My dad uh, was an artilleryman in uh, World War II and uh, fought in New Guinea and and after the uh, war, he uh, stayed in and until uh, 1962, and uh, I got to travel the world before I even got into my own service. Uh, <clears throat> spent nine years in uh, Germany and three years in England, and uh, every three years uh, we'd move, and uh, we'd have to start all over. 
And uh, you know, whenever somebody talks about having a, an elementary school friend, or you know, that they still contact, you know, it sets off all kinds of jealousy bells in my head because I, I can't imagine. I made so many good friends uh, along the way, but none that uh, stuck. And um, my father, uh, I can't say that he was an alcoholic, but he drank an inordinate amount of beer and whiskey and anything else he could get his hands on. And, uh, I was the oldest of uh, seven, and uh, yeah, I, I can truly say that I was ashamed of my old man. I, I didn't bring anybody over to the house uh, when I was young. Uh, I promised myself that I would never be like him. Certainly, I would never treat my children like he treated his children. And, of course, uh, that that did not happen. I, I, I duplicated everything that he did, and then some. Um, but things were different back then, and I listen to people sharing today. It's, it's different. I mean, I, I can remember having a uh, conversation with my dad a year before he died, and telling him, you know, Dad, I really love you. And his response was, that's nice. <laughs> I could have choked <laughs> You know what? Um, but, you know, I, for whatever reason, uh, you know, he, uh, he did not display a lot of emotion. Uh, on the other hand, uh, he had some very wonderful uh, qualities uh, and uh, instilled some values uh, in me that I still... I still uh, take, and I, no, I really, uh, I miss him. Uh, he died at uh, 55, and uh, the cause of death on the death certificate said um, heart attack, but it was actually uh, beer, whiskey, and a boatload of lucky strikes. Yeah, and I got started on cigarettes by stealing those lucky strikes. So, yeah. Let's give credit where credit's due. <laughs> um, I had a brother uh, two years after my dad passed away in 77. In 79, on the same uh, Thanksgiving weekend, I had a brother that was a uh, senior at uh, Fresno State, was the was a straight-A student and was president of his fraternity and... Uh, at about midnight, one Sunday night, he blew his head off. Uh, he and another uh, fella had been uh, drinking. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, there, there used to be these little um, uh, packages of uh, booze, like a flip top, uh, and they'd put them in, and uh, it, was, it was distributed by Hubling in, uh, in New York. And, you, and they were ready mixed drinks, right? And uh, they got a case of Boilermakers and uh, spent most of Sunday uh, drinking it in their room. And his uh, roommate was a uh, law enforcement major, and he had a weapon, and he didn't secure it, and that's the weapon that Mark used. And uh, yeah, so. Half the family said, oh, no, it was an accident, and the rest of us said, no, <laughs> you know, 
he wanted to do something. And I was talking with Linda today, and I said, you know, there was something that I do remember, is that two years before, in 1977, uh, Mark and my father had this tremendous blowout argument about three, four days before my dad passed away. And I sometimes wonder if that didn't play some kind of role in it. But, you know, that's total uh, conjecture. And I won't get to know it, I guess, until I get to the other side. These are the things that happen, though, in uh, alcoholic uh, families. Uh, uh, you don't meet too many people in Alcoholics Anonymous that um, share that, oh, both of my parents were, you know, well-adjusted and, um, you know, went to church every Sunday. My father would drop my mother off at church on, a, <laughs> on his way to the bar. Uh, you know... <laughs> Uh, it was, you know, and and yet when you're that when you're a child in that situation, you don't you don't you figure nothing's wrong. I mean, uh, don't, doesn't everybody have that uh, problem? And you know, it's not until later when you see other people's uh, families that uh, it becomes uh, you start thinking about it. Anyway. Uh, mentioned that I was an attorney. I uh, had a, a client named Al, who was, uh, I really liked this guy, and um, I think he was a client for about five years. Um, one day he said, uh, Jack, let's go out to lunch. So I said, okay. And uh, so we went out to lunch, and uh, I, as usual, I was pouring him down. You know, and um, we were having the normal conversation when all of a sudden Al launches into this story about how he got sober through an organization called Alcoholics Anonymous. And I said, wow, this is really interesting. So he goes, tells me the whole story of, of what it is, never preaches to me. Boy, is that a lesson for us when we're talking to newcomers. Does not preach to me, just simply lays out what happened to him, how he got to AA, and how he got sober. End of story. And, uh, you know, at the end of the... Uh, I'm drinking the whole time he's telling the story. At the end of the story, I, uh, you know, I'm saying, you know, Al, you, he, and he showed me at a card that said, you know, alcoholic, if you're in need of help, you know, just come and, come and uh, call me. And I said, let me have one of those cards. I said, because if I know anybody that has a problem, <laughs> you know, I'll be give it to them. And uh, so I, I, you know, I, I kept the card in uh, in my wallet. Uh, and um, about two years uh, after that, two or three years after that, I called Al up. He was no longer a client at that time, but you know, he's. His number was still good on the Alcoholic uh, Anonymous card. And I said, you know, um, I remember you telling me that story, and uh, I think I really have a problem with drinking. And uh, I, maybe you should tell me more about that A&A. <laughs> Let's call it A&A. <laughs> and uh, he goes, okay, uh, yeah, fine. And this was uh, about... Uh, 
5 o'clock in the evening. I had just come off a three-day binge. I mean, I was, I did not, that was what my drinking had become. Uh, I did not draw a sober breath. By that Wednesday evening, I felt okay enough to to call somebody. I was still shaky. And uh, he goes, okay, um, well, do you want to go to an AA meeting? I think that's the best place to start. And I said, hey, whatever, you know, is cool. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm all ears. Uh, and he goes, well, there's a good meeting uh, tonight over there at a, a rehabilitation hospital. And, <laughs> and I, my heart kind of sunk because I had a beer sitting. I called him from a bar, but I hadn't drank. I had a beer sitting on the, the bar, and... Uh, and I was thinking to myself, you know, yeah, I want help, but I don't want to go to a meeting tonight. I mean, what are you talking about tonight? I mean, don't you have anything to do? What, what, what kind of life do you lead? Uh, so anyway, 40 minutes later, he shows up. He drove all the way from San Juan Capistrano to Santa Ana. Uh, and I was at my uh, regular bar stop. <laughs> It was a kind of bar that you, you just drank in, you know. You, there was no looking for women. Uh, women didn't come in those kinds of bars. And, uh, you know, all you did was sit there and lie and t- talk bullshit. And uh, so I'm there in the lobby, and, of course, the whole place is red, you know. <laughs> red, red vinyl seats, red carpeting, I mean... And, and, you know, the kind of bar that if you leave in the middle of the afternoon, you have this shock. And um, so he gets me, and we go over to a, a place, a rehabilitation hospital. And that, I mean, that was just strange. There were people running around in uh, surgical gowns, uh, you know, loaded on Valium or whatever it was that they were trying to get people off alcohol on. And... Um, there was a speaker uh, that night, and there was a chip meeting, or a chip, yeah, there was a chip meeting with the the speaker. I'll never forget. He was an old guy that, I mean, he wore a such an outlandish uh, sport coat that I mean, even a golfer would be, you know, <laughs> embarrassed to wear something. And he and he had a. Um, like my glasses are, you know, he had a bump in his in his pocket. I knew it was a pint or a half pint. Uh, nobody stays sober. Anyway, I didn't hear a thing he said. He got onto the chips, and uh, people were taking a year or two, and uh, most mostly newcomers. And uh, and I told Al after the meeting, I said, I don't know what the big thing is about, you know, getting 365 days. And he said, I, when's the last time you did it, Jack? Ah, I haven't done that. Anyway, um, turned out that uh, when, he, when he came and got me that evening, he was the host of a family reunion. They hadn't gotten together in like 30 years. And uh, it was his excuse to out himself from that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, his wife never liked me. I don't know why that happened. Uh, but he let her handle the whole thing and said, Honey, I got I to gotta wet one. I got I to gotta go. 
And uh, I didn't, you know, Al moved, he divorced that woman, and he uh, moved to Seattle, and yeah, I, I lost track. Um, but he was pretty instrumental, and uh, he was actually mad at me after that meeting because he thought I, I, he had selected the meeting, and then I dissed it, you know, I mean, I just, you know, said, this is bullshit. I didn't. I didn't quite understand how it was that one person telling a story to another person, you know, could <laughs> result in some magic where where people got sober. Um, you know, and I thought that's all it, what there was to Alcoholics Anonymous, which you know turned out to be wrong. Uh, at 43 days, I uh, um, selected my first sponsor. Uh, Al was out of the picture. Uh, I was going to Alcoholics Anonymous. I found another meeting that was close to my office. Um, and I met Earl, who, uh, you know, I thought was as big a smartass as I am. I thought, you know, he and I will get together. He's not going to make me work too hard, you know. And darn if I didn't know the first meeting, you know. Well, we've got to start on step one tomorrow. And uh, but you know I love that man. Uh, Seventeen years and uh, as my sponsor, and then he uh, he passed away. Um, but uh, what a what a big influence! Just two guys and a lot of other people that contributed along the way, but two really important guys, and I, I feel so blessed. I know there's a higher power because uh, there were, uh, the fact that Earl and Al were in my life uh, meant, the, meant the difference. And um, like Earl told me, he says, don't, don't ever put me up on a pedestal. You know, and I never did, but ever since he's died, I've put him up on a pedestal. You know, quote him and, and do everything I, I can to help him. He had a uh, memorial at his uh, funeral, following his funeral. And, um, you know, people sign in the book. And uh, there was a person there that knew him pretty well, and as I did. And he said, uh, if you were a, a sponsee of Earl and have over 10 years, sign, please sign this other book. And there were 58 people, 58 men that signed that book. So it was a real testament to what a guy he was. And, and he wasn't a book thumper. He's a regular guy that would, you know, help people, and uh, and that's I think what what we need in Alcoholics Anonymous. We don't need preachers, and we don't need elder states, and we do need uh, people that work the program, do their steps, and can pass it on to other people. A big part of my sobriety has been service, uh, and I've been involved in just about everything that there is, you know, at the group level, back when we uh, could still smoke in meetings, uh, you know, ashtrays, and I, I find this weird, but I'm one of the few that uh, had responsibility for uh, cleaning up saucers and cups and putting them in a dishwasher in a meeting uh, we drank coffee and ceramic 
with a saucer underneath it, which was cool. And uh, not that we should go back and change it. This is fine, but uh, uh, it's it's part of my uh, my story and, and things that happened to me along the way. And uh, you know, so many things have uh, happened along the way. Uh, in in service, um, uh, I remember the three years that I was in uh, hospital and institutions, and uh, they would let me go on a panel to institutions occasionally, but I was never a panel leader for institutions. I, I was more they thought I was crazy enough that hospitals would be good enough, and uh, and I got to go on a lot of those. And you know, the weird thing about that kind of service was. The people that uh, I think got the most benefit was not the people that the panel members spoke to, but the panel members themselves who got chosen by a leader, and they got to go in and, and uh, see some things that they normally wouldn't see. None of us want to think about, <clears throat> you know, what a person with uh, terminal liver disease looks like, or that could be me type of situation or wet brain, or things like that. And we may know those kind of people uh, along our, our, you know, because we have family members that drink and and stuff like that. Or to see uh, young people that are just, you know, absolutely out of control, just on alcohol. That's not even counting drugs. Uh, You know, delusions, uh, grandeur, and uh, all kinds of things. So that, I, you know, I got to see a lot of that. I got, there were some funny moments, too, though. You know, I, I remember one uh, lady, that it was, she was a very young girl, probably about 18 years old, sitting there in her hospital stuff. And uh, one of the big no-nos uh, in uh, presenting your stuff to uh, hospital uh, patients was don't cuss. <laughs> and uh, this gal had sat quietly the whole meeting and uh, I was the last one to share, so I was just about to finish up, and I <coughs> used the word damn, and she just came alive, became animated, and told me in no certain terms that, you know, I shouldn't be using that word, damn. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, at the time I felt like that big, but uh, uh, later it was good for a laugh. But uh, people are, uh, and you know what, uh, some of the people that we spoke to in the hospitals, you know, it, it changes you as a person. You go from being somebody that cares about somebody that's got this problem with alcohol uh, to, uh, to someone that really gets in touch with their humanity. I don't know if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, um, that... Uh, You, you have such empathy for their situation, uh, such uh, concern uh, for what's going to happen to them. And you can, you can hear them, whether or not they want to get sober or not, you can hear them uh, talking about their hopes, their fears, you know, what they want to see as their future. And, and a lot of them were parents, too, you know. That they, they, God, you know, worried sick about what's going to happen to their kids while they're being, you know, institutionalized by the state or, or whatever. And it's not bleeding heart stuff. It's, it's that, you know, there's a person, 
you know, but, but for the grace of God, I could be that person. Or one of my children could be that person. And um, so, you know, the responsibility for being uh, an alcoholic uh, to our fellow human being goes way beyond just sitting around at a meeting. Uh, it, it means that we, you know, learn stuff and that we uh, get involved. And one big thing for me, and I will be very honest about this, is that there are times when I did not want to be in a particular situation. I don't want it out. <clears throat> in Orange County, uh, to be a member of the, the uh, H&I and to qualify as a panel leader, what you had to do is you had to go to three consecutive Sunday meetings in the afternoon. And if you missed one, you had to start over again, if you wanted to still be in it. So I'm there at the second business meeting. My sponsor's there, you know, guarding me like, he knows I want a bolt. <laughs> and I said, I, Earl, I don't want to do this. And he looks right at me and he says, I know you don't, but you're going to do it, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I am. And, and you know, it was those kinds of uh, circumstances, those kinds of things were... You know, I didn't want to do it, but, you know, he said, you ought to do it. Uh, it turned out that those were the, the, the times that were the best. And there were other funny things, too. I mean, the first, I, I did go on a panel to Chino Prison in California. And um, <laughs> what a disaster that was. There were four guys on the panel and one blonde who was outstanding by anybody's you know <laughs> circumstances in a, in a crowd of about 35 prisoners all of them listening attentively to me right no <laughs> no no you know so I mean, you, you just have to go through uh, you had I had to go through uh, experiences like that you know, when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous uh, you know, the humility tank was empty. Uh, I thought I knew it all. Uh, you know, if you're successful in uh, successful in uh, whatever you do in, in life, uh, you have a tendency to uh, become an expert in things of which you know nothing. <laughs> And I used to, when I first got here, I'd, I'd think to myself, and I'd actually say it to other people, um, well, he may have 15 years, but I don't want a thing he's got. Bullshit. I wanted everything that that guy had, and, and more. Um, uh, the other... Uh, uh, then I got involved in a program uh, related to... Uh, institutions that, you know, you get to pick prisoners up on their last day, their, their last day of prison. They don't have a ride home. Nobody loves them. And you get to pick them up with another alcoholic and take them to the hood or wherever they go. But usually it was a pretty bad area of town. And uh, you, could all, you, you could also, you'd also had your little... Um, meeting guide and try to encourage them to before they went home to go to a meeting which you know went over like a ton of you know what 
And most of those guys, unfortunately, um, the first thing they did was not to go home to see their loved ones or anything remotely next to that. They slipped into the bar or went, went and saw the, the man to get their drugs. And, and I guess that's the way it has to be sometimes. Um, anyway, uh, the last thing in service that I'm currently involved in is general service. and uh, I'm a general service uh, rep for the 508 group, which, by the way, is my uh, home group. And um, <clears throat> every September uh, we have a party, and uh, this year we're going to have a party plus a dance and, and a barbecue, which is gratis, free. So you're all invited. Please come. It's on September 14th, and um, we're going to have a DJ. We wanted to get a live band, but they, you know, <laughs> they said enough is enough. So we're we're over there in the uh, downtown Buckeye in the Chamber of Commerce building. Anyway, it's a nice room, and uh, if you want to check us out, come out on uh, Friday nights at uh, six and seven. We have two meetings uh, consecutively: one at uh, six o'clock for big book study, and the other one is uh, open at seven. So get about 20 people for the uh, big book study and upwards of 35 uh, for the other meeting. And uh, it's good. It works for me. And most of us are, not most of us, but a lot of us are from uh, the Goodyear uh, area. And what we do is we meet at the West Valley Fellowship and we caravan out to uh, Buckeye. So it works. It's 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 AA in action, and uh, uh, we got a good group. There's a lot of uh, people that are being sponsored, and there's uh, there's a ton of people with one year. It's just a great group, and uh, you know, just like this one, I, I, I like this group. I like being fed. <laughs> Let's not bullshit her. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I'm probably at my uh, capacity, except uh, I, I can tell you uh, how my last uh, six months of drinking was, and, I, and I'll end with that. I had a client uh, come in and see me for a new case, and I had had a liquid lunch that uh, day, but I thought, well, by 4 o'clock I'll be okay. And so uh, I interviewed uh, the client, and... Um, when it came turn for him to talk, he said as follows, you know, you were highly recommended by this other attorney uh, for the particular problem that, you know, I have or he had. Um, and you seem to know what you're talking about. But, you know, I'd prefer not to be represented by a drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was rough on me. And I, I got thinking about things like that. Uh, my last six months, I went to a psychiatrist every uh, Wednesday at uh, noon. And uh, 
without the benefit of any spirituality or uh, or God in my life at that time. On Wednesday evening, I was blackout drunk every Wednesday evening, bar none. Um, I used to like to uh, uh, feed the munchies. Uh, you know, after I got drunk, I had the I was self-employed, so I I had the deal where. Um, you know, I could take off if, at noon, particularly if the mailbox was good to me, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I could take off uh, and uh, get drunk, and I'd usually be toasted by six or seven in the evening, and uh, I'd go driving off and uh, drunk uh, in search of some gourmet restaurant like McDonald's, or so. One evening, <laughs> one evening, I. I'm intending to stop at the box and talk into it and, you know, get a quarter pounder or whatever the hell it was I wanted. I kind of drunk that, you know, um, can't walk but can drive just fine. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I I go down the, the lane, you know, toward the box and, I'm behind this fella, and after about 10 minutes, um, this guy's not moving. Honk, honk, honk. So the McDonald's manager comes out and says, what are you doing? And, and I said, well, I'm honking because this asshole in front of me won't move. And he says, well, you, you realize that that's a parked car, don't you? <laughs> What had happened was McDonald's, you know, before you get to their box, they have little slots of parking there, right? And I had slipped into the last one, and I'm barking at the moon. Yeah, that was the kind of uh, deal that was going on. That was when I was, you know, somewhat not nuts, not not blacked out or, or that. So, you know, and I, at the end of the, uh, well, it came close to January, and uh, I'm still going to the psychiatrist who knows nothing about Alcoholics Anonymous. Zero. Um, (laughs) I I go, uh, you know, I think I'm going to try Alcoholics Anonymous. And he comes out with something like, oh, I think that'll be a... Wonderful adjunct to our therapy. Uh, you know, at ninety dollars a, a flipping thing. You know, I mean, this is twenty-seven years ago. I mean, that was that was a pretty penny back then. Well, it is now to me also. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, just the the things that happened, how it worked out. Um, I have a very, uh, I, I'm, I depend a lot on um, a spiritual uh, program today. Um, I'm, in, I'm involved in uh, church, and I'm involved in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, I think for an alcoholic, they go together. I've seen too many people uh, shout the hallelujahs and then go get drunk without AA. I think it's they're, they're part and parcel if you so choose, and um, 
and, you know, I've made that choice. So, you know, and it, it's it's nice to know that uh, you, I have a God today where I can cast my cares on him, uh, the big things, you know, and I just have to do the footwork that's necessary. Um, yeah, and for that I'm a grateful guy. I'm, uh, I'm blessed. I'm totally blessed. And, uh, there's a good example right there, Linda. I'm blessed. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, it's uh, there is no uh, uh, worrying about what's going to happen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. Uh, uh, sobriety is good. Uh, I don't have to worry about doing the steps. I've got sponsees that uh, help me with my <laughs> steps. Without them, I'd be screwed. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm sure glad that uh, don't ever let them have a, a set of that tape because that statement will get me killed. <laughs> uh, anyway, but they they make it make all the difference. Uh, uh, in, a, in a program like uh, this, uh, because by my nature, by my nature, I'm not one that'll go home and you know read this moldy third edition. It's not going to happen. Uh, reference it, but uh, study it, uh, probably not. That's honesty. Anyway, uh, it's really good to be in Tonopah again. It is. I I really want to thank Paul and uh, I'm in trouble now, Marge, uh, and the rest of you for uh, inviting me. It was cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.